just came out on the news the other day that a senator from New York, a, a congressman elect from New York, lied on his resume. He lied on everything. One of the things that he lied was he said that he was Jewish. You know, first of all, it's really unbelievable. 50 years ago, any, any politician tried to hide his Jewish origin to cover this up because he was afraid to hurt them to be elected. Today, not only they, they don't cover up, people make up stories that they are Jewish to, to, to say that, uh, and he said his grandparents are Holocaust survivors, and it's a lie, but I'm not going into this, that is a lie. The point is, it shows you how the world changed. And while everybody's so busy with anti-Semitism and afraid of this, just understand where the Jewish people, to which stage the Jewish world came to. Yep. But I was reminded, this is a story that really happened in the parish of this week. You know, we're in the middle of the saga of Joseph. Mm-hmm. Finally, in this parish, we come to the climax. Joseph turns to his brother and says, I'm Joseph. Oh my God. It's written what they did, they they were they didn't answer, they couldn't speak because they were shocked by this by the news. They were nivalu, nivalu means they were afraid, not afraid, they were like you know, in, in shock, simply in shock. They didn't say anything, they didn't say a word. The Drashi said, why they were they, why they were they couldn't say anything? Because they were embarrassed. Can you imagine? Your brother that you saw is now the ruler of Egypt. They were embarrassed. Forget about them. Before being afraid, before their time to think about everything else, they were just embarrassed. But then the Torah continues. He told them, please come closer to me. When I tell somebody, please come closer to me, it means he's not close. He's going away. They run away to the edges of the walls, of the room. Being close, closer to me. And they came closer. And Rashi says, he told them, I'm your brother, don't be afraid. I'm Joseph, your brother, it's true. And he showed them the Talmud, Rashi says, that he's circumcised. Why? They didn't believe that it's him. And he started to speak to them in Hebrew. Because they, they thought maybe, maybe it's another uh, congressman who decided to adopt the Jewish identity. <laughs> you know what, what really happens here? Joseph was a slave in Egypt. Egypt knew the rules in Egypt was that a slave cannot be a ruler. Then Joseph had the chip on his shoulder all the time that he's a slave. He became the ruler. Basically, Pharaoh override the rules because he needed them to save the economy mm-hmm. from a famine. He knew that nobody is there like him that can do this, and he said it. But it was a chip on the shoulder. It's coming from a family of slaves. Now he's listening. He met a family. They tell him a story that they have a brother that was lost. And he got in the irrigation. He got the whole story 100%. And then he tells them, I'm Joseph. I'm the, bro- the lost brother that you lost. They basically, he looks for a family. He, had, he has nobody, right? He looks for a family to associate himself. It is a family, distinguished family coming from Canaan. 
they're known from Abraham. Abraham was a rich man. Jacob was a rich man. There were 10 brothers, every, 11 brothers, everyone a valedictorian, nice looking, good, strong people, accomplished. I want to be the brother. I'm the brother, sure I'm the brother. And they were like looking at each other and said, this, who is this brother, who is this guy? How I know this? First of all, because it's, Rashi said it here, but more than that. And it's written by the end of the, the book of Genesis, after Jacob died, when they came back from the funeral, the brothers told each other, maybe Joseph is going to, now that dead died, Joseph is going to take revenge from us, on us, from us. And therefore they sent a delegation, some of the brothers, they came to Joseph and they lied to him. They told him, our father told us before he died, please forgive to your brothers for selling you. The father never said that. They never, the father never thought that Joseph would not forgive them. It's not true. But that's what they said. Joseph, when he heard them speaking, he cried. He thought that he forgave them. And the same, there is a mutual feelings. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, they, they assume that he wants to take revenge. Where right. comes, comes such an assumption? It but comes from a them. place that they still hate him. You understand? Therefore, they think he hates them too. Right. Then Joseph told them, then he told them, he, he spoke words, he, he, he comforted them, he says, don't worry, I don't hate you, I love you. In, in Rashi says, you know what he told them? He told them, can you imagine if I kill you now? What do people in Egypt will say? He found a nice family, he adopted them, then he killed his brothers, then he killed them. If it would be his biological brothers, he would kill them. You ever saw a brother kills his brothers? Are you crazy? It must be made up a story. That you see the way of thinking that they thought that Joseph has just found himself a family. He adopted himself a nice family, created a new identity, just like the Santos. And he said, George Santos, that's the name. He says he's Jewish. And his grandparents are local survivors. That's one explanation why they were afraid of him, why they were shocked. And yet to prove that he speaks Hebrew and so on, that is the Bible. But maybe there is another explanation. Tell me, where in the Bible there is a person that the people were afraid of him, like afraid to get close to him? Moshe, when he was glowing? Oh, when he came down from Mount Sinai the second time, Moses was glowing. And when they saw the glow on his face, shining face, even Aaron went to the holiest or the, the, the holiest of holies, the temple, the, 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 the sanctuary. And Yom Kippur entered every year at the holy of holies. Even he was afraid to get close to Moses. Not afraid of him, will be the map, afraid of respect. They were like shake, they were, they were in, in awe of him. Why did Moses get the glow? When he got the glow, he got the glow when he came down from Mount Sinai the second time. You see, it was the golden calf. Then 40 days later, Moses came down from the, uh, it was Mount Sinai. Then Moses went up to get the, to get the two, two tablets. He came down the first time with the two tablets. It was the golden calf, he bought the tablets. He went back to heaven, right? It was another time for 40 days. And then Yom Kippur, he comes down with the second set of tablets and his face is glowing that everybody's afraid to get close. 
Then the question is, why Moses' face got, got the glow only by the second time and not by the first time? What do you think? It's like a, a present from God. It's like a, it's like you get something special. Why? The first time it was 40 days also, and it was right after, after God gave him the Torah, the Ten Commandment, and he came down with tablets. Then you don't read about glowing. The second time, oh, his face is glowing. To a point that Moses had to put a, like a mask on his face, he had to cover up his face. People were afraid to look at him. A physical manifestation of the truth of God. Yeah, but to why face, but it, to, 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 fright, to frighten the people? But why? Why? I don't, the question is, why the second time? Why not the first time? Then the second, a book. The second what? time. The second time was when the was after the golden calf. After the golden calf, yeah. Right. Some some commentaries say that the second time the Jews the sinned, they were more afraid of holiness. The first time they were so close, they were comfortable. But right, but the second time it. it the, the glowing, the, the shining of Moshe was physical evidence of the existence of God. Why didn't he get it the first time? That's the question. Then there's a book that's The Jews, had, the Israelites hadn't, hadn't yet, um, there's it hadn't needed, yet become needed idolaters to... on that scale. It's true. There is a book, it's called, of, yeah, book it was written by disciples of Elijah the prophet. There, was a, there is a Talmudic rabbi, he used to get revelations from Elijah and used to teach him Torah, and he wrote it down. And this book exists today, and we learn from it. And there, there is an explanation for it. It says, why got the second time, not the first time? Because the second time, Moses was ready to give his life for the Jewish people. See, when God told Moses, you know what? He gave him an offer, he can refuse. I'll destroy the Jewish people. It starts from you, a new nation. The idol worshippers, the idol, idolaters, enough of them, they're not the case, they're doing everything wrong. And what Moses' reaction was? Moses told him, if you forgive the Jewish people, it's fine. And if not, erase me from your book. Kill me with that. Then, then Elijah the prophet says, Told to the Saba, he told them like this. If I, if Moses, Moses, when Moses said Moses was ready to die for the sake of the Jewish people, this made him deserve to get this glow on his face. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me a story. There was a famous rabbi, J.B. Soloveitchik, you probably heard about him, right? Mm-hmm. The rabbi of the modern Orthodox in, in, in America. He in the 19, late 1920s, in 19, early 1930s, he was a student, he was a student in University of Berlin. The Rebbe was also studying in Berlin at the same time. They became very close. And they used to study together, and he knew the Rebbe on a very personal level. Fine, and before the Nazis came to power, both of them left Berlin. Soloveitchik came to America, the Rebbe continued in Paris because he stayed with his father-in-law in Europe until World War II, and only then they barely survived. He came in 1941 to America, the Rebbe came. They continued the relationship and the friendship for many years. Soloveitchik came a few times to offer condolences, and the Rebbe said, Shiva and his father-in-law and on his mother, 
so on. And the telephone conversations and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and messages and letters and everything. And the Rebbe celebrated in 1980 his Terriot anniversary of his leadership. He became Terriot's Rebbe. It was a big Fabringen, a big gathering. Fabringen's were a very common thing, but that was because it was in honor of his Terriot anniversary, it was a very big Fabringen. Rabbi Soloveitchi came to honor the Rebbe to participate in this Fabringen. I think that's from my personal feeling. He wanted to see how it works. He wanted to see with his own eyes what's going on there. The curiosity made him come. He came, he was already an old rabbi. He was, he was fragile. The rabbi was vibrant and strong, but he, the same age, he was almost the same age. And he came, and, and they came in, 770 was back with thousands of people. He couldn't put an, a needle. And when the rabbi came in, he came together with the rabbi, the rabbi to protect him. If not, he wouldn't make it all the way to the top. And the rabbi was going and looking every minute back to make sure he's going with them, that nobody stops him. And when the Rebbe came finally to the center of his stage where he sits down, the Rebbe was about to sit down, then he looks back to see if Soloveitchik is already, if Rabbi Soloveitchik is sitting already. And he saw he's not sitting, the Rebbe stood up straight. And then they put him down, they, they made sure he's sitting down because they know that the whole, everybody's Rebbe's sitting down. And then he said, he said before he's coming, he said he's coming for 20 minutes. He told his disciples who came with him, the few guys who came with him, we'll see 20 minutes, just came to give respect to the Rebbe. He sat close to three hours. He enjoyed it. And then he got up and was still in the middle of the event. You know, the Rebbe's Fabringens was the Rebbe used to speak, let's say, for 45 minutes. Then the Hasidim used to sing and say little cups from far from the Chaim of Wine to the Rebbe, like 15 minutes. Then the Rebbe gave another lecture for 45 minutes. It was, it used to go on for four or five hours. Mm-hmm. After close to two and a half hours, whatever it was, he got up, he said goodbye to the Rebbe. It was very nice how the Rebbe thanked him, how they said goodbye to each other. And he left. Then in the car, or later the next day, his disciple asked him, no Rebbe, what do you say? How was it? He says, I enjoyed it myself very much. Then he said, you know, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, the second time, his face was glowing. Why? Because he gave his life for the Jewish people. He says, I know the Rebbe in Berlin. I know him. So he was very righteous. He used to go to the big fair. He used to fast many times, fasting that regular people don't fast. He was, he was not anybody like you, anybody else, and the, the, not the regular person in Berlin. Mm-hmm. But now, after 10 years of being a leader of the Jewish people, his face is glowing. It's a different, it's a different person. <laughs> and if you saw the Rebbe, if you see in a video, you see the Rebbe was like unbelievable. Maybe that's the answer why Joseph's brothers were afraid of him. They remember Joseph, yeah, they remember them from a 17-year-old boy. He used to make his ear nice, nice. He was a very righteous man. All nice and fine. But suddenly they come in. He's a leader of the world. He saved the universe. From famine. He's saving his family. He was a man who told them, for, forget him, I forgive you. I have nothing against you. It's God sent me. He saw the miracle. Then they were, they couldn't look in his face. It was the, the glow that God gave him for doing such thing. When you're a leader on, on, such, a, on such a level, it's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. The glow that Moses said, some of it Joseph had too. What's the lesson? The lesson to us is 
then when you do something for another Jew, when you sacrifice another Jew, we're not asking anybody to sacrifice his life, but you sacrifice for another Jew, for another person, God gives you a certain glow, a certain chutzel chesed, a, a, a kindness on your face, a certain, a certain charm, a certain charisma that you cannot even explain it. That God gives you because you're ready to sacrifice for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And everybody who is doing something, for, the more we do for other people, the more we get this glow of God. We become a reflection of God. What do you think is the glow of Moses was? He was a reflection of God. What's the glow of a tzaddik? It's a reflection. When you look at them, you see God. That's what he gave him. And that everyone can of us can get. 